Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, I'm so glad to have all of you with us today, worshiping here to, uh, together on this Memorial Day weekend. We really do thank you who have served uh, in our military, who have family members that served, maybe you have relatives that served, maybe you know people that have actually died in the service of their country, and um, we really are thankful and grateful for that this weekend. I, I think that uh, if you watch the news over the past, well, decades really, you have seen a decline in how people view uh, the U.S., how people uh, view America. And uh, we just need to continuously reaffirm that, uh, that uh, this is a great place and that God has uh, blessed this immensely, blessed America immensely. And we are grateful for the men and women who have served the country and the freedoms that we do enjoy because of the sacrifice that many people have made, many family members or relatives or loved ones have made. So we are grateful on this Memorial Day weekend for them um, and for you if you served in that capacity. We're going to get into uh, the commandments of God. I really appreciated Stephen's prayer there at the end and just re made me remember how David had said, I, you know, I hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And that's really what we're trying to do is to hide God's word in our hearts and know his word and let his word impact us. As we've gone through these commandments, today we are on number seven, but really it's more than a list of rules and regulations. It's more than a list of requirements that God has given. Giving, the things that God has said in his commandments are really what he wants our hearts to be, how he wants our hearts to change, uh, what kind of work he wants to do in each one of us. And really, the commandments are more for the believer, it's more for the Christian than it is for anyone else in the world. And so the commandments of God are given for us to change and to look at our hearts and to make sure that we are following him the way that we need to be following him. So let's turn in our Bibles, if you have a Bible, to Exodus chapter 20 this morning for our continuation of this study. Uh, today we are in commandment number seven. We have three more weeks to go after this uh, to wrap up this series, but all of this series can be summarized in the words of Jesus when Jesus was asked the question, what is the great commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you look at the commandments of God, that's exactly how the commandments of God are divided. The first half of them, the first four, are really what it means to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And then the others are about loving others. What does it mean to love honor others and actually honor them? 
The commandments of God are really the, the boundaries. It's really the box that God has given for the way he has interpreted life and the way that he wants us to follow life. Now, what Satan has done is come along and said, you can't believe those, you can't trust those. God really didn't say you needed to do those. In fact, the same lie that he gave to Eve in the Garden of Eden is the same lie he gives to us today. And the lie was this, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? He didn't mean that. Do whatever you want. Do your own thing. Everything is open to you. And that's really the lie that he has caused people to believe. And we're going to see that more and more today. Uh, but the commandments of God are his, his standards. This is his, his box, his priorities. And everything outside of that is how Satan has corrupted what God has actually created. Well, let's get into this today. Let's recap by going through the first commandments that we've already gone through. Uh, let's read through these. Starting in verse 1, it says this, uh, Then God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord, Adonai your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That first command is about who do you worship and why do you worship whom you worship. Who do you worship and why do you worship that, that person, that thing, that material thing, that false God? Why do you worship that? Now, God has said, I want you to worship me, and here's the reason why I want you to worship me, because I saved you. I set you free. That is the grace of God. Ephesians tells us this, by grace we have been saved through faith, and it's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God so that no one can boast. We didn't save ourselves. God saved us. If you don't understand what salvation means, that is such an important concept. You won't be able to wrap your mind around the rest of the Bible until you understand the gift of God's grace. We deserve hell. Hell is not going to be fun. Hell is not just a massive party. It's not a, it's not a kegger and a concert that you're going to be going to. Hell is going to be eternal separation. When the Bible talks about there, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It will be torture, torment, darkness, separation from God. It's not going to be a fun event. It is going to be forever uh, in turmoil. God has said in his grace, though, that I want to save you. I don't want you to go to that. And I'm giving you a choice if you will trust in me and follow me. When you put your faith in him, he sets you free. Exactly what he says in command number one. I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of the slavery, the sin that you were in. I set you free. All I'm asking in return is just don't have any other gods. All I'm asking in return is follow the set of boundaries that I have created in response to me saving you by grace. You didn't save yourself. I saved you, God says. Well, command number two was about who's sitting then on the throne of our hearts. Do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. Instead, let God sit on the throne of your heart, that he will be the king of your life, the Lord of your life. We bow down and worship him because he saved us, but now we want him to sit on the throne and lead us and really run the show in our lives. And too many people, that's the, the stumbling block because they say, I want God to save me. I just don't want him to be sitting on the throne. I want to sit on the throne or I want to let something else sit on the throne of my heart. He goes on to say this, 
For I, Adonai, your God, am a jealous God, bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commands, my mitzvot. And I really believe that our country, we we were not completely a Christian nation. That's, that's a false thing to think that we were just a completely Christian nation, but a majority of people were following the Lord, and a lot of the laws of the land were based upon the law of God. And I believe that God's blessing has been upon the country in many ways because of that, but we have turned our backs on him, and now we are reaping the consequences of that. Verse 7, the third command, you must not take the name of, of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. That's really about how do I represent and how do I speak about the one who's sitting on the throne of my heart whom I worship. Number four. Remember Yom Shabbat, the day of Sabbath, to keep it holy. You're to work six days, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Adonai your God. In this day you shall not do any work, not you, not your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, nor the outsider that is within your gates. And so that's learning how then do I sit in and rest in and really abide in God who has saved me, who I worship, who sits on the throne of my heart, who I'm representing well. That's the first half. That's the honoring God, loving God. Then we switch gears and we turn into loving others and honoring others. It starts with this one. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long upon the land. Um, I got to go forward. Okay, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long upon the land which Adonai your God is giving you. That's how do I start looking at others? My parents, elders, other people in my life. How do I view them with honor respect, value, and submitting to their authority. Now, my, my son, uh, my 16-year-old son was just talking to me yesterday. He just got a job. It's really different today than it was in my day. In my day, I applied for a job. I waited a few days. I got a call. I would come in and do the interview. Uh, and then I did the interview. And then they paid me like uh, $2 an hour. And it was, you know, how am I going to, I don't know how I'm going to put gas in the car. But anyway, that's about what it was. So my son got a job and he didn't interview. He put in his application. In about 12 hours, they contacted him and said, when can you start? They didn't even talk to him. They didn't know. In fact, I think it was by email. Come in this day. You're starting this day. I was thinking, don't you want to know what he's like? <laughs> I know what he's like. Maybe you should get to know what he's like uh, before you just offer him a job. He's a great worker. So, and he's motivated. But he comes in and they start him out without an interview, $17 an hour. And I'm thinking, that's craziness. You're 16. Okay, that's great. I don't have to give you money. That's wonderful. I'm so happy about that. And, but he was complaining about yesterday some of the people that he had to deal with, not coworkers so much, but customers who would come in. And I said, you need to learn through this process what it means to honor elders, people are in, they're all older than you. Understand what it means to honor them. You may not agree with them. You may not like some of their attitudes, some of the things that they say, but this is a process for you to learn how to honor people because God is on the throne of your heart. Does that make sense? We honor elders because God's sitting on the throne. I worship him. He has saved me. 
I'm resting and abiding in him. Now I'm able to honor others who sometimes are really hard to honor and love. Sixth command. Last week, Jesus expanded on this, but the simple command was this. Three words, do not murder. And that was about honoring life. That life has value. People have value because they're created in the image of God. They're image bearers of the Lord. So they have value. Life has value. Life matters to God. Now, Jesus drilled this down, and it's not just about murder. It's really about your heart, and that's where the murder starts. And so we talked about more than murder. We talked about anger and how anger can lead to that, that anger really is the root of the problem that people really deal with. And there's lots of church people who maybe haven't committed murder, but they have anger in their heart, and it's a murderous attitude of heart that can lead to problems. It, it doesn't, maybe, it's not a physical murder, but have you ever seen anger destroy a family? You're murdering your family because of the anger you carry. You ever seen murder destroy your work? You're you're committing murder toward that work because of the anger that is in your heart. So Jesus dealt with and said, it's not just murder, it is anger. Well, today's command, number seven, is really along the same lines because today the commandment is this, do not commit adultery. Four simple words, last week three words, this week four words, do not commit adultery. But what we're going to find is that it is much deeper than those simple four little words. The title today is Honor Marriage, but it's going to be more than marriage because I know that not all of you are married. Not all of you, um, maybe uh, maybe someday you'll get married. Some, I don't want to get married, and maybe that's going to be your heart and attitude. It, this, is, this is for you as well. It's more than just honoring marriage. We're going to learn about this a little bit more today based upon the words that Jesus said. Let's pray and let's begin. Father, I want these words to be yours and not mine. Help us, Lord, to have hearts that are right for you, that we love you, that we worship you, that you sit on the throne. Lord, that we praise you and we speak about you in a positive way, that we're good representatives of you. Lord, I pray that we would learn how to rest in you and abide in you. And by us worshiping you and letting you sit on the throne and abiding in you, that we would learn how to truly honor others in our lives, truly loving others that sometimes are just hard to love. Father, I pray that you would love people through us. Lord, that you would deal with the things that we have talked about, like anger. Deal with the anger that's in our hearts. Lord, if there is anger that is there that we have not resolved, I pray, Father, that we would resolve it and we would surrender to you. And Father, today, as we talk about this concept of adultery, help us to understand and see that it's more than just the act of adultery, that there is something much deeper that is going on regarding this. Lord, I, I pray that you would be here, that you would speak to us, that you would help us, and that we would just commune with you right now. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this concept of honor marriage, uh, let me just mention this, that in a society where marriage and the family are no longer honored, where it's no longer important, that society will begin to collapse. And I think that that is what is going on 
in many ways in our society today, that marriage and honor, or marriage and family is no longer honored. This is why Satan will target the marriage and the family as much as he does, because if he sees that destroyed, he will see a society destroyed. Satan's two primary targets that he goes after in this world are the family and the church. And he has his crosshairs on the family and the church. If he can get the church to fall apart, then he has won. If he can get the family to fall apart, then he has won. Many of you have been affected in here by the concept of adultery. Now, it may not have been the outright act of adultery, but maybe there's something more that is going on with it. Maybe you've been affected by the effects of pornography in your marriage, or maybe it's just you have been angry in the marriage and the marriage has drifted away and that has created a wedge between the two of you. God wants marriage to be honored. He wants it to be an important concept in the society and in a society where marriage is honored, that marriage, that society will thrive. Again, four simple words, do not commit adultery. But just like last week, we're going to learn that it's more than those four words. What we're going to learn again, like we learned last week, is that it's all about the heart. Again, I want you to say that with me this morning. It's all about the heart. That is what the concept is. This is all about the heart. Even though the words are very simple, do not commit adultery, this is really an issue of the heart. Now, again, anything God has established, anything within God's boundaries, that's where Satan attacks. And so Satan has attacked this idea of marriage in many different ways. In our society, we have changed the way marriage is defined and the way that marriage is viewed. God's definition is this, that marriage is between a husband and a wife, and the sexual relationship is only in the boundaries of marriage. Anything outside of that box is sin in the eyes of God. What would that include? That would include uh, things like pornography that I mentioned. It would include things like sleeping around, sex before marriage. It would include same-sex relationships. All of that is outside of God's definition, where Satan says, no, it's just fine. God didn't really mean it. You can do whatever you want. God says, no, this is the boundary. This is the box. Anything outside of this is what would be considered sin. He says, do not commit adultery. Again, it's more than do not commit adultery. It's really about the heart. But let's try to define this a little bit and understand it, and let's get into the heart of the matter. Adultery is defined in this way. It means the breaking of the wedlock. It is to corrupt, to debase, or to make impure. That, again, just does not have to be defined solely as marriage. There's many things that break wedlock, that corrupt wedlock, that, uh, that debase it and make it impure. And some of you have been affected in that kind of way. It's possible to heal from that. It's possible to restore and to be reconciled. But there's many things that break apart what the marriage picture is supposed to be. Again, God has established a clear boundary around this and he wants us to honor and reflect on what that marriage is supposed to look like. However, Jesus did say that it's more than just this 
those words, those four simple words, do not commit adultery. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, defined what was meant in the commandments. And this is what I want to zero in on today. And this is what I want to relate to us today. Whether you're married or not married, this is all going to apply. So let's look at it together, what Jesus said. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, had just talked about anger. And now he's talking about this concept of adultery out of the Ten Commandments. Now, what did he say about anger? He said it's not just, or he, said, he talked about murder. He said it's not just murder, it's also anger, and that anger starts in your heart, and that's where the real problem lies. It's like a tree. The leaf of the tree is not the problem, it's the root of the tree that's the problem. If the, if the leaves are reflecting uh, disease and rot, it's not starting there, it starts down in the root system of the tree. Jesus says it's not the murder, it's the heart, and it really starts with the anger. Same way with adultery, he says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I'm gonna tell you something else, he says, I tell you that everyone who looks upon a woman, notice these words, he says to lust. Everyone who looks upon a woman to lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, See, this is where the real problem lies. It's not just the act of adultery, it's the heart of the matter. If you have looked with lust, you have committed adultery. Which would mean this, if you have ever looked in a lustful manner toward a male or female, you have now committed adultery and broken this command. Well, that's a problem because in society, this happens all the time. The ways that people dress, the ways that people act, the things that people look at, pornography, for example, in our society has promoted this, this idea of lust, and therefore many, millions and millions have committed adultery in their heart according to what Jesus says. And so that's where the real problem occurs. The problem isn't the act of adultery, the problem is the heart, and what happens in the heart is that you are lusting after something. So, so what intrigued me from this was, well, what does lust exactly mean then? What does it mean to lust after someone? Now, we often think of that in terms of the sexual desire, but that's not what lust means. Let me show you what lust means. Lust is this. It means to set the heart upon to covet, to have a strong desire, to have an unquenchable desire. That's what it means to lust. The word lust is the word strong desire. Anyone who has a strong desire in their hearts, a covetous desire in their hearts, an unquenchable desire in their hearts has committed lust. And if you have done that, you are guilty of breaking the command. Jesus, again, narrowing it down. It's not about the act, it's about your heart and what's going on in your heart. See, that's where the real problem occurs. What's going on in your heart? When it comes to anger, what's going on in your heart? When it comes to this issue of adultery, what's really going on in your heart? The heart is the issue at hand. Well, let me show you something even deeper. In 1 John chapter 2, it describes what this lust is. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, here's what it says. Do not love the world 
or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if you're loving the world, God's love is not in you. For all that is in the world, now notice these three words. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not of God. This is of the world. This is the thing that Satan has done to corrupt what God has said is true. What God has put as the boundaries and the box, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is how Satan has distorted what God has said is true and right. He says this is not of the Father, it's of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God will abide forever. So what does the word lust mean? It's strong desire. So the strong desire, the craving of the flesh, the craving and the strong desire of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is the craving and the strong desire for life to be the center of life is what it really means. This is the way Satan has twisted everything. Now, I want you to know this. Did you know that all sin in the world falls into one of those three categories? Every sin you could think of falls into one of those three. In fact, I want you to remember this. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, that the fruit was there presented before Eve, and it says of Eve that she looked at this and it was desirable to the eyes, and it was good for the flesh, and it was desirable to make one wise. And when she did that, she took from its tree and she ate. It was the same three categories. Do you know that when Jesus was tempted, how many times was he tempted? Three times. And do you know that all three of those things were the same three categories of sin that Satan tempted him with? And it was because all sin falls into those three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust for life. Now, what do all three of those things mean? Well, what is your flesh? Your flesh is your physical being, your physical body. The lust of the flesh is the strong craving for anything that makes you feel good fleshly, which is where alcohol, drugs, sex, food, all of those types of things would fall into the flesh. Do you know that there are even some people, I don't get this, this is not me at all, but there are some people that are addicted to working out because of the way they feel physically when they work out? Any of you like that kind of people? I'm not at all, but you could be addicted to something like that. I know you're shocked that I'm not, but I'm not. <laughs> Lust of the flesh. Anything that is there that's a strong craving for my flesh. Lust of the eyes. What is the lust of the eyes? That's everything that I have that's a strong desire and craving, unquenchable desire for anything my eyes see. That can be coveting. That can be materialism. That can be I see what he has that I don't have or she has that I don't have. And I must have that and I need to have that. And that becomes a craving of the eyes. And then there's the pride of life. That is just really being the self-centered focus of life, that life has to just revolve around me. 
And everything falls into those three categories. And so when Jesus says, the problem is not just the act of adultery, the problem is that you are lusting with the flesh, you're lusting with the eyes toward a female or toward a male, that that's where the real problem occurs, and that is taking things outside of the boundaries that God has created, and that is where the sin is occurring. So it's more than the act of adultery. It is the heart of the matter. How does this work in our lives? Well, let me give you an analogy and a picture of how this works just out of God's word itself. And I'll give you a, just a, a metaphor that comes out of this. For, uh, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Uh, notice what it says. Let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God. God, God doesn't do that. He is not tempting you. He didn't create a beautiful person for you to look at and tempt you. That's not what God did. Instead, it says, God tempts no one, but each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own lust or strong desire or craving. Then when lust or that strong desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. I want you to see how this works. This is a pretty incredible picture of how this works. James gives these words. Each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own Lust. Now, what is the definition of lust? Strong craving, unquenchable desire. I'm lusting after something. It could be the lust of the flesh. It could be the lust of the eyes. It could be the lust for life. Whatever it is, that's what I'm craving after. That's what I'm striving after. That is what I'm pursuing, and it's unquenchable. I can't get enough of this. Well, James says this. You're really being dragged away and enticed by these things. What does dragged away and enticed mean? Well, they're really cool terms. Uh, Dragged away and enticed is a hunting and fishing term. To be dragged away and enticed means to be lured and baited. You're being lured and baited. Who is the one who's luring you and baiting you? Well, Satan is the one who's using your own weaknesses against you. That's how it works. Never forget, I gotta make sure. Uh, sometimes I can't see out here with these glasses, but I gotta just make sure my father in law is not in here when I tell this story. And, and he's not. Okay, so I can tell this story. I can't tell it second service, so I can tell it first service. So my father in law is big into hunting and fishing, really big into hunting and fishing. And I started dating my wife, uh, I mean, it's like 33, 34 years ago now that we started dating. So it was a long time ago. I know you're thinking, well, so you were like six months old when you started dating her? Yeah, I was. Um, so I, we started dating, and um, I had just just graduated high school when we started dating. And <clears throat> I came over to their house, and her dad had just come home from uh, a hunting trip. He had just been out hunting, and he is an avid, avid hunter. And one of the things that he was using was a little... Uh, a little thing, a little container of lure. He was luring whatever he was hunting at that particular time. He was using a little thing of uh, of a lure, a, a little bait. And um, I walked up and I shook his hand, and I noticed that he smelled horribly bad, just horribly bad. 
I didn't want to say anything. I shook his hand. You know, I, I'm trying to make an impression upon my father-in-law, a future father-in-law. But I walked over to my wife and said to her, Jennifer, your dad really smells bad. I mean, he just really smells bad. And she said, oh, he always smells like that. I thought, okay, well, that's a problem. Uh, that maybe we want to get that medically conditioned looked at somehow. And it was, come to find out, it was just this little bottle of lure that he had in his pocket that he was using for the purpose of hunting. Now, why was he using that? He was using it to lure out whatever he was hunting at that particular time. Because when he could lure that out, he could then catch or kill or do whatever with this, I guess that's the only two options, but either catch or kill this thing that he was hunting. Okay, that's, that's this picture. It is enticed and dragged away is to be lured. Literally, it means lured and baited. One of the things he also loves is to fish. He loves to go fishing. And he is a great fisherman. Now, as a fisherman, he's really, really good at catching whatever fish he is after. And he knows how to use all the different lures and all the different kinds of baits that he has at his disposal. So we'll go out fishing. And he'll start with one, one type of lure. Maybe he is using a bottom bouncer and he's, he's trying to, uh, and a spinner and he's using a worm and he's trying to get the fish that way. And he'll try that for a while and then he realizes that's not working so he'll switch it up. And he'll switch it maybe to a jig and a minnow or a jig and a leech or something else and he'll switch it up and he'll move, he'll troll back and forth and then sometimes he'll just anchor and cast or anchor and just jig up and down off the bottom. He's a master at this. He always seems to catch fish, or most of the time, and he's always changing up the presentation of the bait and the type of bait that is being used, okay? That's, the, again, the same concept, dragged away and enticed. Now, put all of those things together in your mind. Here's how Satan works, that Satan is out there, and he is fishing for you, and as he is fishing for you, he is going to use a particular bait that is going to be enticing to you in order to lure you out and hook you. Now, what bait might he use? Well, for some of you, he's going to use the lust of the eyes because you are prone to materialistic types of things, coveting types of things. And so he'll use that bait at you trying to hook you. Others, he'll say, okay, that's not going to work on them, but I know that particular person that alcohol is really their stumbling block, so I'm going to fish for them with alcohol. Or I'm going to fish for them with drugs. Or I'm going to fish for them with pornography. Or I'm going to fish for them with anger. Or I'm going to fish for them with selfishness. And he is out there enticing and dragging away and luring through the use of a bait that is unique to you. And that's what's in his tackle box. Now, you may have some sense of victory over that. You may think, well, I have gotten some victory. So what he'll do next is he'll look for the right timing. Okay, you may not bite on that bait today as you're sitting here today, but if I can get you in the right circumstance, you're angry, you're hungry, you're lonely, tired, that whole thing, you know, if I can get you in the right predicament, then I can get you to bite. You're by yourself, I can get you to bite on that. You've had a bad day, I can get you to bite on that. You've just had a fight with your spouse, I can get you to bite on that. And so he presents the lure that is unique to you, and he'll present it in a time in which you're the most susceptible. But let's say you even have more victory. Well, then he'll just 
he'll just change the way that it is, it is being fished for. Instead of trolling for you, I'll just wait and just I'll jig off the bottom or I'll cast and I know I can get you if I do that. See, that's how the lust works. So Jesus says this, it's not about the act of adultery, it's about your heart. And what's coming out of your heart is that you are biting on a bait of lust. And that lust in particular for adultery is most often going to be a lust of the flesh or a lust of the eyes. Whatever that bait is, I'm going to get you when you're at your weakest, your loneliest, your tiredest, your hungriest. I'm going to get you at a time where you are the most susceptible and I can hook you. Now, what does the rest of it say? When I hook you, it will, it will conceive. It's like now I've birthed it in you. Now it's conceived in you. And then he just starts reeling you in, reeling you in, reeling you in, reeling you in. And he gets you out of the water. And he throws you on the deck of the boat. And you all know that a fish that's out of water is going to die. And that's the way he fishes for us. That's the way he works. He throws out the bait that is unique to you in order to hook you, in order to reel you in and throw you on the deck. And there you will die. Sin when it has conceived it, and birth is given, it gives birth to sin. It gives birth to death. That's what happens with this. Satan's goal is to destroy you. His goal is to get you out of the water. His goal is to get you flopping around on the deck of a boat outside of the element that you should be in. And the way that he will use that is he will go after the weakness in your heart. And the weakness in your heart is one of those three things. It's lust. Of the flesh, of the eyes, of the need for life. And as he can fish for you and he can catch you and he can reel you in, now he has you. So the matter, the command was four simple words, do not commit adultery. But it's more than that. It's don't even commit adultery in your heart. Don't even lust in your heart. Don't even let Satan into your heart because if you do, it will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy everyone around you because that's what Satan's ultimate goal is. So how do we, how do we fight against this? Well, number one, we got to know our own stuff. You got to know what the weaknesses are in your own life. What are you the most susceptible to? For some, it is alcohol. But for others, they would say, you know what? That doesn't even affect me. That, it doesn't even, it's not even a temptation for me. Others, they would say, okay, well, it is for me and it really affects me. But yours may be jealousy. Yours may be coveting. Yours may be pornography. We all have stuff. Know your own stuff and allow God to heal that stuff. You know, the second thing about it is that even though Satan is out there fishing for us, even though he hooks us, do you know that God is into the, uh, the catch and release program? That God is there about, even though you've been caught, releasing you back into your element. And that is the grace of God and the forgiveness of God that he wants to bring to each one of us. So what does this matter about? It's all about the heart. Maybe today you need to confess some things before God. Maybe, maybe adultery has affected you, but it's not been the act of adultery because maybe you've never done that but maybe it has been the lust that is there in your heart that has affected you. 
Maybe you have in some manner committed adultery in your heart as Jesus has said. Maybe it's not that. Maybe you've never done that. But maybe there's an, another area that you have lusted in and had a strong craving for that that's your stuff. That that's the area that God wants to work in your life the most. So we confess those things to him. We bring them before him. We ask him to work on our hearts so that our hearts are set right. Because in the core of who we are, with these commandments, my desire, and I hope yours as well, is that I want these words to be in my heart. And I want to be following them to the best of my ability with the help of God in loving him and truly loving others. Let's pray as we close. Father, help us, Lord, to, to know our own stuff, to be able to deal with the lust that is in our own hearts. And maybe it's not a physical lust like this command, do not commit adultery. Maybe that's not the kind of issue that we are dealing with. Maybe some of us are dealing with another type of issue. Maybe we're lusting after the alcohol, after the, after the gambling, after, the, uh, after an unhealthy relationship. Maybe we're lusting after the desire to get rich quick. Maybe we're lusting after drugs or pornography or food or some other thing. Lord, help us to deal with our own hearts so that we can be fully and completely right with you. And for those, Lord, that have been affected by adultery, for those that have, uh, have committed adultery, Lord, or been affected and impacted by pray, Lord, that just today, that they would know that you are able to forgive. If they bring those things before you and confess their sin before you, that you are righteous and that you are willing to forgive. It is by grace that we have been saved. It's not ourselves. You have saved us. And so, Lord, help us to be forgiven by you, to walk in that forgiveness, to not let those things impact us any longer in the same way that Paul said, uh, these things I am putting behind. I pray, Father, that that would be the same case for many who, are, who have been impacted by this, that they're able to say, I'm putting this behind. Father, I pray that our hearts would be completely yours because this is a matter of the heart. Father, thank you for being with us today, for teaching us today. Thank you that we can come together and worship you on this day. Now help us to have a wonderful day of just rejoicing in you, being grateful for you, and loving those around us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.